My name is Scott, and I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, Scott. And if you need it, there's proof in there, photo album, and some other goodies. So a couple of things up front. Um, number one is I have gained 20 pounds this year. And I want to put that out up front because if I came to a meeting to hear a speaker with long-term abstinence, and if I heard them say they've gained 20 pounds this year, I'll be honest with you, I would be disappointed. I'm still abstinent. I'm a big believer in math and science. And, you know, this year, I mean, like from the beginning of January, you know, I've been eating a lot more oil, a lot more avocado products, um, a lot more seed products, quinoa and beyond. I've been eating out more. Um, I've also recently incorporated Japanese sweet potatoes. That experiment had just ended. Not because I'm thinking about it all day long and fantasizing about it, because I'm using it as my latest form of convenience food. I'm using those to pop into the oven, do my thing. That means less chopping, chopping, cooking, and cleaning. And it's my current form of the easier, softer way, just to kind of get away from you know, committing to uh, cooking. So, um, and that's why I just want to put that out up front. I've also been exercising less this year. So I think the math and science say, well, no wonder you've gained 20 pounds this year. It makes sense. It'd be kind of weird if you hadn't gained any kind of weight. So that's number one. Uh, number two is I committed to those in attendance at this meeting two weeks ago to find movers because I'm moving next Saturday. I forgot I was going out of town last Saturday, so I wasn't here to like close that bookend. So just to let you know, I kept my word. The Sunday after that commitment, I called two mover, movers. And on the Monday after, I did hire movers. It didn't work out with the scheduling, so I had to let go of them, but I hired someone else within three days. So just to let you know, I, I kept that commitment. Uh, what I was like, what I was like was miserable. Um, I was four years old when I first misused food. Um, I was four years old when I misused food for the second time. I was four years old when I first stole money from my mom's purse to buy candy bars. I was four years old when I discovered the hard way that my dad has an issue with rage. And I was also four years old when that same father became my first binge buddy. Um, fast forward to age eight, I was told to go to church and I developed an unhealthy fear of religion, church, God, Jesus, and all the figures within religion or some religions. And it was also at age eight where I developed this really unhealthy prayer ritual. Um, and also at age eight, if you look at back at my old school pictures, it was around that time where I noticeably was a lot bigger than my, than my classmates. So between four and eight, you have this kind of negative framework for my life to be. A lot of fear, a lot of dishonesty, and a reliance on man-made junk foods and soda. Um, at age 11, I met binge buddy number two, um, someone who I used to call the childhood abuser. A lot of bullying, a lot of being hit all the time, not any fun. Um, at age 13, I got my first job, which meant more money, more junk food, and more rapid weight gain. And what I mean by rapid weight gain is, like, all along, I've been gaining weight steadily. But once I got that first paid job, the weight came on even faster. 
Um, about two years later, at age 15, I got my second job, which again meant more money, more junk food, more rapid weight gain. You know, they say the first time's an accident, second time's a trend, third time's the truth. So in my mid-20s, I actually noticed this, this trend and this pattern, which became the truth. And, you know, another year later, I got my third job. Same pattern. More money, more junk food, more rapid weight gain. And then 18, same thing happened. So this is kind of what is to be um, in my life. Uh, let me see. When I was about 18, 17, 18 is when I became depressed for the first time. And it was the first time I had suicidal ideations daily. All I thought about was, oh, it'd be nice to just not be alive anymore. And just kind of fantasizing about ways of, of injuring myself. Uh, fast forward to about age 28. This is 1999. This is Halloween of 1999. My best friend at the time uh, met this guy through the advertiser. Anyone here remembers the advertiser? This, it was like the Craigslist before Craigslist. It was a paper. You'd want ads and dates and all that stuff. She met this guy through the advertiser, and we all sat at her kitchen table doing pumpkin carving. And I remember three things about this guy. He was almost 500 pounds. He was uh, really good at carving pumpkins. And, and number three is he just started something new in his life called Overeaters Anonymous. In fact, that was the first time I actually held a bridge, a meeting schedule, 1999, about two years before my first meeting. I didn't attend any meetings because I was kind of confused by the far right column or the focus of each meeting. That was just kind of confusing, so I didn't go. But I think the seed was planted at that time. I knew that there was maybe something I can try later. So that's what I was like. What happened was I did find OA. Um, in March of 2001, I was 28 years old. I was so sick that I had to live in a halfway house. Um, one of the agreements to live in this halfway house was I had to do some kind of, have some kind of structure outside of the halfway house for at least 12 hours per week. And like the good conformist that I was, I did what most of the other people did. I went to group therapy 12 hours a week. Four hours on Mondays, four hours on Wednesdays, four hours on Fridays. So that was my structure. Um, at this place, I developed a crush on a woman who invited me to an OA meeting. And I agreed to go, not because I was 315 pounds and eating out of my garbage can nightly. I wanted to go so I could hang out with her. I really believe that there is not um, a more invisible type of person than a heterosexual male who is morbidly obese. If you've never lived that life, you'll have to take my word for it. Um, so we had a falling out and decided to not to attend that meeting together. But I went anyway. So on Friday, March 2nd, 2001, I went to my first OA meeting at age 28. And I've not stopped coming back. Over 17 years later, I've not stopped coming back. So that's what happened. What I am like now is a lot different than what I used to be like. You know, at that first meeting, I was on medication for depression. I was on medication for general anxiety disorder. I was on medication for Tourette syndrome and obsessive compulsive disorder. I was on medication for high overall cholesterol. I was on another medication for high blood pressure. And I was on three medications for psoriasis. 
which is a skin condition. Uh, and then within a year of coming in, I added another medication for seasonal allergies, an over-the-counter medication for seasonal allergies. I also, one year in, filed for a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, which is relevant to my story. Uh, I got a sponsor right away. I started reading the big book right away. I started doing a lot of writing assignments right away. And I started doing a lot of service right away. And I also had a plan of eating right away. And surprise, surprise, I got abstinent right away. Um, I, uh, originally, I was abstinent for about two years. And in that two years, I lost 89 pounds. And I have to tell you, for the first time in my life, I was getting noticed by people. You know, the weight loss, how did you do it? Oh, we're really proud of you. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, by the time I started working with sponsor number two a few months in, because it didn't work out with sponsor number one due to his schedule, you know, I kind of thought that, you know what, I'm feeling kind of home-free here. And, you know, taking on the regular service commitments, taking on sponsees, speaking at meetings like this, doing honest and thorough step work is really not necessary. What I'll do is I'll pretend to still be powerless over compulsive overeating. I'll still show up to meetings, and I'm, I'll act like a good program person. In the meantime, I'm starting to think about experimenting with food. And I'm thinking about taking in some foods that I had given up or mostly given up, with the exception of refined sugar. I never took that back. And I did that. And before I knew it, I'm at the beginning of what turned out to be seven years of relapse. You know, abstinent for a couple weeks, not abstinent, absent for a month, th this thing happening. You know, up until the summer of 2010 when I guess I had my second rock bottom uh, that I hit. Um, but I, but I want to really just share this story with you. This happened yesterday, actually, and this kind of sums up what I'm like now. So I um, work now full-time for the first time in my life. I got my master's degree in, in June. I got a full-time job in early July with the state of California. And I'm a counselor now for people with disabilities. Now, every year at my, at where I work, we have this event where about 40 or 50 individuals with disabilities come with their resumes. And they come with a 30-second elevator speech. If you don't know what that is, it's like you're, you're pitching yourself to prospective employees, uh, employers. So yesterday, we have a practice run. And I'm teamed up with eight um, clients, and I'm listening to, to their elevator speeches. And I'm giving them feedback, and I'm letting them know what they're doing well, and kind of giving them some feedback on what they may want to change. And um, at the end of this two-and-a-half-hour practice run, there's only two of us left at the table, myself and, and one of the clients who was there from the beginning. And she's clearly very anxious. You know, Asian woman, mid-30s, clearly very smart just based on our conversations from earlier, but very, very anxious. Reminded me of myself, actually. Um, and I said to her, let's go over your speech just one more time. But I only want you to read the first line. And I don't want you to, I don't want you to look at your notes. So I, feel, I felt like the notes were kind of holding her back. So she, uh, you know, is kind of laughing and doesn't want to put her notes away. She's flipping around like this. So you can't even notice the notes. 
And she does that. She reads the first, she, she state, you know, recites her first line of her speech, and she does really well. And I have her do it again. And it's just flawless. And not only was it flawless, but she looked and sounded confident. She smiled the entire time, excuse me, the entire time. And she maintained eye contact for that whole, well, it's just one line, but still progress, right? So then I said, I want you to read the first two lines of your speech without looking at your notes. And do this, please. Turn your notes over. Oh, index cards. Put those around, too. And just tell me the first two lines of your speech. No one knows yourself more than you. You're the expert of your own story. So she does it flawlessly. And then we're done. And I'm sitting there, and then it hit me. For so much of my life, I, re- I have relied on crutches. And that's exactly what she was doing. She was re- relying on the notes. The notes were like her crutch. It was actually hurting her. And once she let go or flipped them around, she did really well. And that is kind of my story. And that is really what I'm like now is I am starting to let go of all the crutches. Um, I'm moving out of the city next Saturday to the East Bay. And for those of you who don't know, my current housing situation is the last crutch. It's really the last piece of my past as a compulsive overeater. Uh, You know, I live in subsidized housing in the Tenderloin District, a half a block west of Clyde Memorial. If you know that neck of the woods, it ain't pretty. As someone once said, the Tenderloin ain't so tender. But especially that kind of, there's this triangle there. And, you know, in my last minute here, I I just want to say that I'm a 46-year-old man. And I have a beautiful girlfriend. And sometimes I want to invite her over to sleep over. We can mess around and cook and talk and play with the kitty cats. And you know what? My building has a policy. To do sleepovers, you need advance written notice from the property manager. Then if they okay it, she has to come between 10, uh, 7 a.m. and 10 p.m. and then show her valid ID, passport, or driver's license, license to a desk person. And then she can sleep over. I'm sorry, but that is humiliating. So for the first time in my life, beginning next Saturday, I I will be fully self-supporting the climbing outside contributions. And yeah, you know, periodically my mom will throw me a couple hundred dollars. I'm not stupid. I'm going to take it. But, you know, the seventh tradition talks about fully self-supporting the climbing outside contributions. My mother is not outside. She is inside. So I'm good with that. Um... I'm really going to miss the fellowship here. I grew up in OASF. I've had a lot of gifts come my way. You know, there are people in this room who were here when I was new. There are people in this room that have had really good conversations with outside of the meeting times and on the phone. And, you know, this is really tough. The old Scott would have disappeared a month ago and said, oh, sorry, guys, I forgot these meetings are still happening. You know, I have this long history of running away and hiding and lying and not facing my feelings. To be here, it is painful for me, emotionally painful, but I have to do it because I know that on the other side of facing this uncomfortable feeling is a gift. I told a sponsee recently, and this is the last thing I'll say, is that right now, by doing this step work, by doing what's uncomfortable, you are preparing for something really painful down the line that you're not aware of yet. And you're going to get through it because your food is clean now and you're facing these fears. 
And um, by being here, I'm kind of doing that for myself. So thank you for everything. Thanks for listening.